Good morning and welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Connie. And I'm Danny. And we invite you to come and shelter with us in this season of gratitude and response to the great news that Christ has been raised. Let us worship God. Come on in. Our first lesson comes from Psalm 47. Hear this psalm of praise. Clap your hands, O ye people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is awesome, a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God is King over all the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people gather as the people of the God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is taken from the book of Acts, and this is the beginning of the book of Acts as we are starting in to what next week will be the giving of the Spirit, Pentecost, in Acts 2. This is the introduction and the opening of the book of Acts. Listen for the word of the Lord as we read Acts 1, 1 through 11. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he has chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convicting proofs, convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait right there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? And he, Jesus, replied, it is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up 
and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing upward toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taking up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So how many people are missing sports of any kind? Any game, any league, even the weird ESPN channels are showing ridiculous things. It has been a part of a definite casualty of this virus environment, but things don't last forever. And so ESPN, together with Netflix, did give us a little bit of help the last few weeks. I'm talking about The Last Dance. This was a 10-part, 10-hour docuseries, again through ESPN and Netflix, that chronicled the rise and the basketball dynasty that was the 90s Chicago Bulls. And this is through the names that we have become familiar with. Certainly Michael Jordan, one of the best ever to play the game. You had Scottie Pippen those last couple of years. You had Dennis Rodman, Steve Kerr, Kukoc, so, so many of them who were there and their coach, Phil Jackson. Now, what in the world can go on for 10 hours that you think is that important, you might ask? Well, a lot of us started that way, and it was really fascinating. So the premise is this, that in the 1998 season, which was the Bulls, the Michael Jordan Bulls, striving for their sixth championship win, sixth, unheard of in so many ways, They knew that before that year started, the front office, Jerry Krause, GM, had planned at the end of that season, no matter how successful they were, if they went undefeated, if they won the championship, that 98 Bulls team would be the last with Phil Jackson as coach. And if Phil goes, then Michael Jordan goes because Michael won't play for anybody else but Phil. They're going to send Pippen on. They're going to send Rodman on. They're going to destroy this team so that they can rebuild for the future. Yeah, I know it. I know it. I know it. It's crazy talk. But this is the backdrop and premise of the story. And so each of the 10 sessions, they open up and it'll be a different chronological phase in that 98 season. You get the next couple games, and then the next couple games, the next session. But each time they go back in time and tell the stories of the people, of the situations that got them all to that place. And so even before the year started, their season, there was a great chance that this would be their last And so Phil Jackson, their coach, hands out the first day of practice a little bound notebook that he had printed out. And on the front, it said, the last dance. 
Win or lose, this was the Bulls' last opportunity to win, to be a team, to win a championship. The last dance. Well, it's very much what this passage is about in Acts today. Today is Jesus' last dance. As we look at this Acts passage, we know that the author of the Gospel of Luke, we also attribute to writing the book of Acts. It's a two-work volume. And so it begins opening up the book of Acts, which are Acts of the Apostles. Now that Christ has come and is going, it chronicles their actions taken as they are called out to serve the world in Christ's name. But it begins here. Jesus has come and our introduction gives us just a little bit of catch-up because it's the first paragraph in this biblical book. So in the introduction, it tells us that Christ had come back for 40 days after he was raised from the dead, that he was appearing to them, that he was teaching them, and the Holy Spirit also, teaching was coming through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, our narrator tells us. Many convincing signs and wonders Christ did in those 40 days, that is post-resurrection days. And so you have the introduction. The second thing that happens is the dialogue. So after the introduction, here's what's been going on. We are together with Jesus and the disciples. And Jesus tells them straight away, do not leave Jerusalem, stay here. You are getting ready to receive a gift in the Holy Spirit. If you remember, you were baptized by, by John through a Holy Spirit, and now through water, now you are getting ready to be baptized through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is telling them, hang tight, I'm going to tell you what's getting ready to happen, and then in a few days it will happen. As we look at this week and next week, it's kind of a two-parter on the Holy Spirit and Pentecost. Jesus is telling them, you're getting ready to go, friends. I'm getting ready to send you out. You are getting ready to be transformed, filled, empowered, charged, sent. They don't know this yet. And then, so this is the prep today, and next week is the event itself. So Jesus tells them, stay here. You're getting ready to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. To which the disciples ask a question, well, does this mean that the kingdom will finally be brought into fruition to which Jesus responds, well, nobody knows. Don't worry yourself about it. You don't know. You can't know. You don't need to know. Just do what I'm telling you to do. But know that this Holy Spirit, this power is going to come upon you from the Holy Spirit and get ready. So right at that moment, after that little dialogue, Jesus ends it with giving them their purpose, giving them their mission, which Jesus says, now go out and be my witnesses to all Jerusalem, all Judea, all Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's pretty much all of it. 
everywhere. Go everywhere and be my witness. Now, this first part about being a witness, Vicki talked a little bit in, in her children's moment. The last thing Jesus says to any of Jesus' disciples, according to Luke Acts, is this phrase, be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. He doesn't say, go and start churches on all continents. He doesn't say, go and decide who is loved and who isn't, who's in and who's out, who's going to heaven, who's going to rot in hell forever. Doesn't say, go and be judgmental. Doesn't say, go and separate and divide, become smaller, become fractured. He says, be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Well, they are in a unique position because they have witnessed Christ's resurrection in his resurrected form. Certainly, we are called to be witnesses. And being witnesses means that we are spreading God's word, spreading God's love, spreading our understanding, our awareness, our faith committing to justice in the world, committing to let others know and help them to see that Christ is here and rose for each one of them as well as each one of us. Being a witness, sometimes we are uncomfortable with. I think we'd rather say, let's just spread the word of God. That sounds a little better. But to be a witness is active. It means you are sharing what you know. Uh-oh, what if I don't know a lot? What if I'm afraid I don't have enough to be able to talk to somebody else about? Hear me, you do. That's a, pro a part of what this Holy Spirit is doing with you, for you, and through you. And the places and people the Spirit is calling you to be in relationship and interaction with. The disciples didn't know it all. They didn't have it all figured out. They saw it. They were there. And they still, so much of the time, didn't get it but God used them to transform the world. So we are to be witnesses. Well, preacher, how can I be a witness? I wasn't at the resurrection. Well, there are different ways that we experience an event. We piggyback on these first disciples that were there, that did see through Scripture. That is one of our primary sources. But when we experience the risen Christ, when we feel the presence of God in our lives through Bible study, through prayer, through God present either in a wonderful time of celebration, a horrible time of brokenness, despair, tragedy, and loneliness, or any time in the middle, we experience the resurrection and can witness to it. Anytime that we gather as a community of faith or as individuals, every time you go hiking in the mountains, you go down the river in a kayak, you go hiking, you go for a picnic, the presence of God and God's Holy Spirit is there. Should we be open to realize it and connect with it? God and God's Spirit are all around us so that we can be witnesses because we've experienced the presence of God and the risen Christ and the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
Now, it may be snippets here or there, and maybe a moment you can't explain, but they're there. What if the disciples would have said, oh gosh, that was an amazing thing. Let's go back to doing what we were doing. They tried that. They went fishing again. And Christ said, oh no, I didn't die and was raised again and put myself on the cross for you to go back as if nothing changed. Christ said, came and said, everything is going to change and you are going to be my disciples in the world. Apostolos, apostles to be sent. Those disciples were witnesses and that was their job. What happens if there are no witnesses to corroborate an incident? I'll give you one experience from my life. When we lived in Raleigh, my wife and I were cruising down the street, three narrow lanes, kind of close and windy together, when a young man, high school driver, comes up kind of beside us and runs into the side of us. Hits us, clear, damage done. Everybody's okay, we just been out of control, but we pull over and it seemed to be an outstanding young man. We say, you okay, is everybody you okay? Everybody all right, he was by himself. And he came out and the first thing he said, he said, I'm so sorry. It was my fault, I got distracted. I turned into you by mistake. I apologize, it is my fault. Which is generally what you want to hear in a fender bender. So we wait for the young man's parents to come, and when the young man's father came, we saw him pull him off to the side, and they talked, and the young man shaking his head, and, and he's kind of pleading with his dad, and then finally he just kind of drops his head. The dad comes and talks to us and says, um, there were, nobody else was here to, to see what happened, and um, we don't know who's at fault. And we said, well, first of all, you have an outstanding son. He seems to be delightful, smart, articulate. And he said that it was his fault that he had gotten distracted, ran right into us. And dad said, nope, that's not what happened. And because there was no one else there, and by the way, that father taught that son a life lesson today and not a good one. But that's a sermon for another time. But we had to pay for our own damages. Because why? Because there were no witnesses. No one could corroborate the story. And in the same case of Christ being raised, if no witnesses actively testified or shared or lived in response to the resurrection, it all would have stopped there. What prompted them to be witnesses and go out into the big bad world to share this gift about this peasant carpenter who was the Messiah? Because they had seen it. They were witnesses. So number one, obviously we are called to be witnesses. This and every day and in a variety of ways. And you have enough understanding, empowerment, Holy Spirit within you in those gifts to be called to witness in a variety of ways. If you have ever experienced the presence of God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, you can be a witness. And God continues to use us just as those first open mouth, confused disciples to change the world and convey 
God's faith, love, righteousness, joy, salvation. Uh, number two, so the Holy Spirit had, so, so right after Jesus gives them the command to go out into the world, go to the ends of the world, be my witnesses, what happens? He ascends, goes into heaven, goes into God's kingdom. He doesn't shake hands. He doesn't share a tic-tac, doesn't high-five, doesn't kiss a cheek, doesn't share a last bit of bread. Be my witnesses in all, to the ends of the earth. And then, bam, he goes, and he is gone, friends, in that fashion. All up till now, he had readied the disciples, and now he was gone. And they stand up there, open-mouthed. Did we just see what we think we saw? Absolutely. And it's a transition point because while they saw the resurrected Christ, they didn't see the resurrection. Nobody saw Christ's resurrection. They saw the resurrected Christ. But here they are privy to this ascension miracle. Christ goes up in a way that we will not see him in physical form again until he comes back for the second coming. It kind of likened me to, I heard a story about Major General Gary Brito, which I hope I'm saying that right, who is or has been the commanding general at Fort Benning. Well, he's getting a big raise, big promotion, going to Washington for a new job. And I was thinking a little bit about that in this Jesus, Jesus in this similar way to some degree. The major general had prepared his people, those who served under him, for a time that he was getting ready to leave. All those things that he taught, all of the things that he grew, his job built those relationships, got things done, and expected those underneath him to continue on the job that he empowered them to do would be changed a little bit when he goes to D.C., he won't be able to communicate and they with him as easily. He probably won't be there, although he can come back and visit. In bodily form, communication will be a little bit more difficult and a little more different, but you can reach him. In a kind of similar way, Christ is moving on, but not out of touch. Christ has been leading them and preparing them for them to take the job that he has empowered them to do, and now he is going on. They will still be able to be in communication with him through the gift of the Holy Spirit, but they too are continuing to call the job that they have been called to do. So then let's talk about this Holy Spirit real quick. We know we love the Holy Spirit. It is positive. It is the presence of God with us. God, Father, and the Holy Spirit, creator, redeemer, sustainer, that Trinitarian confusing peace that continues to lead us and sometimes vex us. As I look at it, it is just all God. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, it is all God, just different pieces that manifest itself for our own benefit and understanding in different ways. So God was God's presence in the Old Testament Hebrew Bible. That is God the creator. God the redeemer sent Jesus Christ incarnate in our form as a human for those 33-ish years 
That was God's presence with us. And today, on Ascension Sunday, when we mark Christ going back to God, it is God's Holy Spirit that will continue to be our presence as we will celebrate next Sunday at Pentecost and has been with us every day since then, is with us now, and will continue to be the presence of God with us until Christ comes again in the second coming. That is a gift. Let me read to you some of the roles that the Holy Spirit plays. What is it, this mystical Holy Spirit? It convicts us when we are wrong and turn from God. It teaches us. It reminds us. It guides us. It leads us in truth. It gives us gifts of the Holy Spirit. It seals God's love and grace in our hearts and lives. It comforts us in times of difficulty. It intercedes for us. It gives us wisdom and power. It dwells within us. It is our helper, advocate, uh, teacher, and counsel. That's a lot. That is a great job description, and only God could do all those things. So again, as Christ ascended, the Holy Spirit descended with that job description to do all of those things that benefit us. Another Greek word, the paraclete, the para meaning alongside, like parallel lines, walks with us every day, dwells in our hearts from an intimate God who sends us this helper, this advocate, this comforter. Today, I want to focus on the teaching aspect of the Holy Spirit as we are looking toward graduation, as we have finished up one of the strangest academic semesters for every school everywhere this year. Teaching is so crucial. It is so important. Teaching from the Holy Spirit has to do with the gift of when we sit and we study and we read God's Word, we read the Bible. It is the Spirit that makes connections for us. It is the Spirit that helps us to remember in our own life how God has been present. The Spirit is a teacher, just like Christ was a great teacher. They called him rabbi far more often than they have yet Messiah because they don't quite understand it all yet. But rabbi, teacher is also one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. What a gift that God sends us, this Spirit, that help us to learn, to grow, to develop, to never stop growing in our faith. Should we trust, have faith, and courage enough to do so? So I know as we wind up this year, we are focusing on teachers. So I'm going to tell you a quick story about a teacher and a student and the importance of both of them. This was an elementary teacher named Mrs. Thompson. We've got one of those out there. And she stood in front of her fifth grade class the first day of school and told the children the lie. The lie, of course, she looked at her students and she said she loved them all the same. But that was impossible because there in the front row, slumped in his seat, was a little boy named Teddy Stoddard. Well, Mrs. Thompson watched Teddy the year before, saw him coming, didn't want him in her class, but she drew the Teddy straw. 
And sure enough, most of her students were delightful, but Teddy was shut down. He was angry, verging on violence, could not and would not do his work. One of those awful things and opportunities, well, not an opportunity yet, but one of those challenges that all teachers face. She even started to delight in taking her papers, his papers, and making X's and putting big F's at the top of his papers. Well, Ms. Thompson was required to review each child's past records. She waited till Teddy last because she didn't want to deal with him. So remember, this is fifth grade. Her first grade teacher, his first grade teacher wrote, Teddy is a bright child with a ready laugh. Does his work, has great manners, a joy to be around. What? Second grade teacher, Teddy was an excellent student, loved by his classmates, but troubled because his mother has a terminal illness. Third grade teacher, his mother's death has been hard on him. He tries to do his best, but his father doesn't show much interest. Fourth grade, the year prior, Teddy is withdrawn and doesn't show much interest in school. He doesn't have many friends and sometimes sleeps in class. Now she realized the problem and was ashamed of herself. Teddy's mother had died. She felt worse when her students brought her Christmas presents and Teddy brought her a sad little grocery bag wrapped gift. She opened it up and while the rest of the children laughed, she was proud. It was a little bracelet with some rhinestones missing and half a bottle of perfume. After that class, she said, you know, thanks, Miss Thompson. You smell just like my mom used to. Well, time went on and the teacher began to pay some attention to Teddy take him under her wing, really help him to learn and come out. And it wasn't too long before Teddy started to thrive and survive. She would get notes from him throughout his next stages in college. He continued to grow until finally the last one was signed Theodore Stoddard, MD. She kept telling him she was his favorite teacher throughout his educational career. Well, there was one more letter that Teddy would share. Said he'd met a girl and was going to be married. He explained that his father had died a few years ago and was wondering if Miss Thompson might agree to sit in the place at the wedding that was usually reserved for the mother of the groom. Of course she did, and you know what she wore, that same bracelet, the one with several rhinestones missing. And as they were walking down the aisle, she, Teddy whispered in his teacher's ear, thank you, Miss Thompson, for believing in me. Thank you so much for making me feel important and showing me that I could make a difference. And she responded, Teddy, you have it all wrong. You were the one who taught me that I could make a difference. I didn't know how to teach until I met you. Great story. So many great teachers. And so at the end of this conversation about the Holy Spirit, we know too that the Holy Spirit believes in us, that the Spirit is with us to give us every good gift that we need to be God's disciple in the world, to thrive and to, to survive even in the midst of hardship. So friends, as you go today, know that you are being called as witnesses to the ends of the earth. 
and think about those teachers in your life that made a difference and what was it about them and especially the gift of the Holy Spirit that is seeking to teach you about the risen Christ this and every day. Hallelujah. Amen.